Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll feature Josh Centers, the managing editor of Tidbits, and we'll also present Jason Snell, former muckety muck over at Macworld Magazine, who will tell us about life after Macworld. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! So we have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books joining us. And unfortunately, Josh, they didn't issue a new Apple TV, so you can't update your book, right? Well, we hope to update the book fairly soon anyway because they've overhauled the interface and they've changed a few other things. It just uh, maybe won't be the large overhaul I'd expected. So this would be like a minor shave and haircut. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I think at this point, I'm just, I'm just going to stop predicting uh, new Apple TVs because I've been doing it for over a year now and I've been wrong every time. <laughs> so I'm going to cut my losses. So you're taking the boy who cried wolf attitude, but think of it this way. If you keep saying it, eventually it'll happen. This is like the people who say Apple is doomed. Now, maybe Apple won't be doomed this year or next year or 10 years from now, but sometime in the far future, Apple will be doomed. Right. Well, you know, broken clocks right twice a day. I've heard of that. Let's get on to some real stuff here. Have you been following the latest stuff about net neutrality? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... President Obama comes out with this very strong statement suggesting that they use Title II of the Telecommunications Act, which basically makes an ISP a public utility. Am I right so far? Right. Um, it, it would essentially make ISPs common carriers like phone networks are. Okay. What's wrong with that before we get to the other part? Right. So the way the ISPs have it now, they have a pretty sweet deal because on one hand, they can regulate what goes over their lines. They, they, can, they can do pretty much anything they want, right? But they're not also not held liable for content over their networks. So like, let's say someone downloads something um, highly illegal over a Comcast internet connection, Comcast won't be held liable for that. Now, in the past, and there, there were a lot of legal fights about this back in the day, but, you know, in the past, it was argued that people who run networks, in this case, phone networks, were responsible for what goes over them. Something was established, and this, this is something I, I've really studied on in a while, but so I'm just kind of giving a very vague overview. At one point, phone networks were labeled common carriers, which meant that as long as they don't interfere with what goes over their lines then they can they're not held liable for that so if someone like you know makes us make scam calls over the phone line uh at&t isn't held liable for that so they have a really sweet deal now um in terms of that what them being classified as common carriers would do is it would make it so they could not say what goes over their network they can discriminate against certain kinds of traffic essentially what the what the isps are really afraid of is becoming dumb pipes they don't want to just be a utility they don't just just want to provide your internet they want to add um value-added services like you know verizon wants to sell you um I don't know, like NFL subscriptions or, uh, you know, Time Warner, you know, wants to sell you um, video rentals or something like that. Or, you know, and they want to optimize their networks to to make those services um, run better. And and really what they want to do and they've started doing in the past year or so is they've started um, having content providers like Netflix in particular pay them you know, for carrying their information because they say, oh, you used too, too much of our network even though 
Netflix pays for their bandwidth. The 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 um, ISPs presumably make the customers pay for their bandwidth. I I have a I have a bandwidth cap on my Comcast internet, which most people don't. So I guess I'm just lucky. Um, I have a bandwidth cap on my CenturyLink connection. And if I were to use the other cable provider here for ISP services, and that's Cox, they'd also have a bandwidth cap. Right. Well, so it really just comes down to money. It comes down to revenue opportunities and control for the ISPs. And, and you know, of course, they want to, you know, have every opportunity available to to charge people more money for things um, they were already getting for free. And they also want, um, you know, they want to have be able to, you know, pick, pick the winners and losers on their networks. Now, one thing here, I saw this blog entry from Netflix where they claim they weren't paying Comcast and other ISPs for a fast lane, they were paying for a direct connection where they can stick their servers in the data centers run by these companies, but that kind of sort of accomplishes the same thing, right? Right. Well, the impl- what Netflix was implying was that Comcast was deliberately uh, slowing them down until they made that arrangement. So, so I, I oversimplified a little bit. Um, and it's a complex issue, but really what it comes down to is that ISPs are now expecting um, content providers to to pay them for um, faster service. You know, I never had a problem with my Netflix, but but here's the thing. Of course, I watch Netflix through an Apple TV and Apple actually had its own um, Netflix line. I'm not entirely sure how that worked, but for the Apple TV, uh, it had a different connection than everyone else. So if you were on the Apple TV, you didn't see these problems because I guess Comcast and the other ISPs didn't bother throttling that. Um, but if you're on now, if if I tried to watch Netflix on my PS3, this doesn't happen now after they made this deal. But if I tried to watch on my PS3, it was very slow, very laggy. Um, you know, the the picture was fuzzy for a few minutes in every show I watched. So. Um, and, you know, there is there is definitely and, and this is a very common complaint for a long time. So, you know, something definitely changed between, uh, you know, before and after this agreement was made. Now, I had heard that Apple sticks their servers in the data centers of some of these ISPs. And they also have their own data centers now streaming stuff. It's not just using a third party provider like Akamai. So they skip all these hops because right now with the Internet, it's not. You know, Apple sends something and it goes right to your ISP. Normally, it goes through these peering providers like a level three or a cogent. And so you have different networks that feed the traffic across the Internet, each of which has this border where they have supposedly peering or exchange agreements with other providers. But then, of course, you run into the problem where sometimes, and I've seen this, sometimes There'll be a dispute saying, well, maybe CenturyLink is basically sending too much traffic our way. They've got to send us a check to overcome this or something. So it's pretty complicated. So I understand that if a Netflix or an Apple or someone wants to stick their servers directly into the ISP's facilities, even if there's nothing else going on, they skip all these intermediaries. Right. Yeah. And Apple's been building up this uh, CDN network for a long time, content delivery network, uh, which is, is essentially a cache of content. So a lot of times when you perfect example is is Apple TV streaming. Let's say you rent a movie over iTunes. 
you usually won't stream that directly from Apple. That usually gets streamed from a CDN uh, because it's, it's just more efficient that way. Um, you know, if everyone was hitting Apple's data center at one time, as, as you notice on you know any day they release a huge iOS update or a Mac update, uh, things get bogged down. Um, but when everyone's hitting and you know um, you know smaller groups are hitting these CDNs and not just hitting one server all at once, it makes things uh, a lot more efficient across the board. And, and no, I don't think Apple Line's paying for that. And Apple so far hasn't been vocal in the, in the net neutrality fight, so it's hard to know exactly where they stand on that. Okay, so President Obama evidently wants the ISPs to go under Title II. But now we have Tom Wheeler, who's the chairman of the FCC. He's a Democrat. There are three Democrats on the five-member FCC. Wheeler, before he became chairman of the FCC, he was a lobbyist for the cable and wireless industry. Now, that, to me, implies an incestuous relationship between these two parties, that you have someone who's lobbying for industries and then becoming a member of the agency that's regulating those industries. I don't know how they figure that, because that must have set alarm bells off somewhere, but certainly he was approved to be on the FCC. In any case, we have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. understand this is not a matter of being Democrat, Republican, Independent, or whatever. It's a matter of Tom Wheeler had ties to the industry they're regulating. So he is saying, no, maybe not Title II. They want something more nuanced. What's going on here? So, so my understanding of this is, I may be getting this totally wrong. I, I didn't study it before the show. So the proposal Wheeler is supposedly working on behind the scenes would be kind of a basically make no one happy. So the um, the previous proposal he had was um, it was net neutrality and name only. Uh, in fact, actually, it, it would have allowed ISPs to um, create um, so-called fast lanes um, for service for the services they wanted. So, for instance, um, you know, they might slow down everybody else, but Facebook pays them a certain amount and they get faster service, which is the exact opposite of what net neutrality is. It's the um, concept, for example, Josh, of everyone is equal, but some people are more equal than others. Right, exactly. Um, so the the new plan, um, the, as I understand it, is that 
um, they would the ISPs would be required to be neutral in terms of the back end, in terms of peering and things like that. But they could have fast lanes uh, for services direct to users, which um, I'll be honest, I'm probably not the best guy to parse out um, that deal. We actually have some uh, one of our best contributors for this kind of stuff uh, for tidbits working on that right now. You know, reading that, it, I don't really think it makes that much of a difference um, from what he had before, except it it kind of ticks the ISPs off a bit. But I, I think it probably create about the same result for the end user. Well, the key is here that in the end, even if they make no overt effort to slow you down, if a company has direct access, they're missing all those hops because each one of those hops slows you down because of all the peering arrangements and just the nature of the beast. So getting a closer, more direct connection, it's faster even if there's no fast lane. Right. And there's been a lot of problems in net neutrality. And, and I would say as a concept, I'd say the number one problem is vagueness. Like, what exactly is net neutrality? Everyone thinks they know what it means, but it's a it's a very it's a vague, malleable, malleable term. Um, and and then there are so many ways the ISPs can work around these rules. Comcast released a statement the other day saying they totally agree with Obama's net neutrality proposal, except the except for the Title II part, which is the the core of the proposal. You know, personally, I, I guess I'm cynical with this. I, I think even if they passed. Obama's regulation, you know, as he says he wants it, I, I think they would find some way to to work the system. I mean, they, they always do, right? It really, the, the core problem is that there isn't enough competition. In most areas, the government, you know, the local government has granted a monopoly to Comcast or Time Warner or whoever. Now, now in theory, there is competition because, you know, most places... Um, at least in theory, you'll have you know a cable provider who has internet. You'll have um, a DSL provider who provides internet, and you'll probably have um, a selection of a couple different satellite providers like Dish Network and Directv. Both offer internet, but um, you know, really, nothing compares to the speed of cable. Um, not even close. My cable connection is about sixty megabits per second down, which is which is really good. I think most people probably get around thirty in this country. I'm getting um, close to fifty, but don't ask me how because I have a forty megabit connection, but the equipment from CenturyLink is newer, and the difference between fifty or actually upper forties and what you're getting is minuscule. But did you hear this report this week, Josh? That AT and T is now saying they will stop development of their fiber to the home system in 100 cities until all these regulations are clarified. Fiber to the home means they can get you like gigabit internet, like they already offer in Houston, like Google is rolling out, like Cox is rolling out. at and is going to stop till they figure out what's going on, which is obviously a threat. Right. And this goes back to my point about competition, because if AT&T had proper competition, that wouldn't even be on the table. And and those fiber lines would have been built years ago. I mean, well, heck, remember back in the 90s, the government gave all kinds of tax breaks um, to telecoms to lay fiber. And they did. And then they never used it. And our country is littered with what's called dark fiber. Um, Can they use some of that dark fiber now? Or is it buried somewhere and nobody can access it? Oh, it's it's totally usable. That in fact, Google bought a lot of it, and that's you know ah. that's what they're 
broadband service is based on. But I don't think Google really wants to be in the broadband business. I think they just want to scare these other companies a bit. But so far, it hasn't worked, I think, like they thought. Because I thought I think Google thought once they have Google Fiber in, say, Kansas City and a couple other places, it would scare the ISPs and they would get their their stuff in order. But that that's happened on a local level. Like anywhere that has Google Fiber, the ISPs quickly, you know, upgrade their own services to compete, but they don't do it anywhere else. And that's a that's a sensible decision. Why would you have you have no competition? I mean, from an economic standpoint, why would you upgrade stuff in a place that has no real competition? You know, where I'm at, I have Comcast 60 megabits down. The absolute best I can get from my phone company for the DSL will be 12 megabits down. And, and that's supposedly fiber. That and they got a government grant to build that fiber, and it's wildly expensive and very slow. But that's a that's a whole other show, I think. And then, of course, you know, I can get satellite internet, which which is terrible. It, it's terrible. Um, a lot of latency. You know, if if we're trying to do this conversation over satellite internet, I I doubt it would work. The um, latency smoothly. issue is that the signal has to go up to the satellite and then down. So we're talking about what a half second or a second delay. So this kind of conversation would be kind of weird. I'd say, "Hello, Josh." And there'd be a beat. And he'd right. say, hello, Gene, beat. And then I would talk back to you. Obviously, it could probably work for a back and forth interview, but maybe a normal phone type conversation, it would be difficult. Well, it's also very expensive. The equipment's expensive. You know, it's, it's one of those last resort things. It, it, it's like saying an MRE is a is a competitor to a steakhouse. <laughs> like, like, yes, it, it will keep you fed, but it's it's not ideal. You wouldn't just, you know, grab one out of the pantry. Well, maybe you would if, if you're a certain kind of person. But, uh, you know, most people would not just grab an MRE out of the pantry, you know, and start eating their emergency rations. Um so and and this is enforced by government and even in some places some places have banned municipalities from uh starting their own broadband services um you know so like it, it, i think if we really want to fix this because let's be honest regulation can be bought um we need competition now granted competition can be bought too but that's not as easy and it's often a lot more expensive and, and that's really the only solution to the problem when you only have you know one major player um, in most markets, and that major player controls most of the markets in the country, and Comcast, uh, I don't know if they control the majority of the American internet market, but they control a good bit. And if they get, um, if they're able to buy Time Warner like they want, then they will control most of it. And that's uh, that's a scary thing that they need competition. Well, this is the whole problem. If we allowed local municipalities to offer. These services, maybe there would be competition. We've got a lot more to talk about with Josh Centers. At Tidbits, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com.
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Do you have relatives and friends that are convinced there is no need ever to prepare for any kind of emergency? Are these also folks you buy Christmas presents for? At 30dayfoodsupply.com, we can solve both of these problems at the same time. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010. We can ship your Christmas presents directly to them. Choose from our original 30-day food supply, our long-term storage vegan burger mixes, or other oatmeal, soups, porridges, beans, and granolas for everyday use. All products are non GMO, MSG free and vegetarian. Most are gluten, soy, and nut free. Call 541-229-0010 today. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low, cutting out the middleman by buying directly from their producers in Oregon. Remember, only $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Visit the website 30dayfoodsupply.com. Call 541-229-0010. 30dayfoodsupply.com. 541-229-0010. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding. Unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze. Containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. You might wonder here on the Tech Night Owl Live, what we get into the intricacies of net neutrality, and the reason is we all 
and the United States have to consider the impact because we are all affected. Wherever you live, if you're in the country and you have to use satellite internet, if you're in most cities where you have one provider or one adequate provider and one barely adequate provider, this is a big issue. Gigabit internet, I can't wait. They have it here north of where I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. But here in Mesa, we don't have it yet. If it was affordable, if I could afford it, you know, I take it in a heartbeat for the kind of stuff I do. It would be like virtually instant access. And remember, Josh Centers, you have 60 megabits down now. Remember it was five and you thought it was fast? <laughs> I remember when I was on uh, 33.6. <laughs> and that felt fast. That felt fast compared to like 28.8. And then, then I had a 56K, which only oh, 48.8. 56. Oh, my God. And you get 48. And people would say, I'm not getting 56. I'm only getting 48. Yeah, but boy, look how fast that is. Oh, yeah. So many years ago. Anyway, let's look into other topics here, okay? Now, have you been following the recent news about some Apple-related security issues? Yeah, I, I've heard a little bit about some of the malware that's going around. But um, just to be honest, I haven't paid much attention to it because... It doesn't seem like it's a huge threat for most people. Well, we have something now called Mask Attack. And I think of the Mask of the Red Death, which is a novel from Edgar Allan Poe in the 19th centuries. You know, one of Poe's stories. And it was a movie, The Mask of the Red Death. Okay, so Mask Attack means supposedly an app, a malicious app, can masquerade as a real app and use Apple's enterprise certificate to be available to infect your iOS device. But when you read this, this is the story. It comes from a security company. When you read it, though, it's not a real threat because it's a proof of concept. Okay? There's a lot of proofs of concept, but it doesn't mean you're insecure, does it, Josh? Yeah, just because something works in a lab under certain conditions doesn't mean it will spread in the wild. And the thing is, every time you get these warnings, a lot of times you get a comment from a security company. Now, what does that security company do? To earn a living. They sell you security software. So you wonder sometimes if they don't emphasize this stuff, not because of the fact that we're in danger, but because the potential of danger might indeed cause you to buy their product. Right. And yeah, there, there's always someone trying to sell something, right? I wouldn't worry about it until it's, you know, people start reporting um, infections in the wild. And Apple has been remarkably good at shutting these things down. Um, for instance, the name eludes me at the moment, but earlier this week, uh, actually last week, rather, there was a, a type of malware that went loose in China. Wire was, lurker. Right, right. And it I was, know this stuff sometimes. It was infecting Macs, not to, not to attack the Mac but to implant itself on your iOS device when you synced it with your with your Mac. But Apple very quickly revoked certificates for it, um, you know, and shut the whole thing down remotely. It's pretty incredible they were able to do that. Now, security researchers did warn, even though Apple did shut down that particular vector, they warned the same technique, the same methodology could be used um, for something later. So we'll see. But I, I'll say I'll say this. I'll say this. You know, I mean, Apple isn't perfect on security. They have a lot of their own flaws, but there have been almost no cases of widespread um, Apple malware, either with Macs or with iOS. There was um, that one that spread through Google Images um, a few years ago, but it was um, even then it was fairly minor and got shut down pretty quick. They have Macs and iOS 
locked down so well that unless you just choose to disable those protections yourself, you, you really don't have to worry um, until you do. And, and, and there's such a huge target now. You know, that's something to think about. There's such a huge target. And of course, you know, most of the people who have Apple products have money so that, you know, they're a good target to try to, um, you know, infect. And it just hasn't happened on a mass scale. I'm not saying it won't. But, um, you know, when you compare Apple's position uh, and security against, say, Microsoft's in the early 2000s, I, I think Apple's way ahead of the game here. All right. That's security. Let's go to another topic here. And this is a weird one. Now, Tidbits is a weekly newsletter. Mm-hmm. Tens of thousands of people get this. They've been getting it since, what, the 1990s, the early 1990s. So we're talking about something with a great pedigree to it. But lately, you had problems where mailings to AOL, iCloud, domains managed by Yahoo would get bounced for spam? Right. And um, you probably want to ask Adam about this because, you know, he, he handles all the email back end. But um, I'll go over it as, as well as I can. So um, there's there a few different things going on. Um, there is one um, connected to Yahoo's email systems, which power um, a lot of different email systems uh, on the internet. And um, something happened on February 24th. Um, oddly enough, we had a lot of articles about net neutrality <laughs> in that issue, um, it, that we in the issue we sent on February 24th. Um, so that's my conspiracy theory. But um, We have another radio show called The Powercast, by the way, where we get into conspiracy theories. So listen to this. Go ahead, please. Well, <laughs> you should have me on that sometime. I got lots of them. So, oh, so any- listen, if you're ready, I'm ready, sure. All right. So um, anyway, so something happened and they, they started marking these as spam. And we're not sure why entirely. It could have been too many people marked our newsletter as spam, even though we're totally opt-in. We don't send tidbits to anyone unless you know they've specifically asked for tidbits you know, by name. They've signed up themselves. So we do not spam people. But sometimes people can't figure out how to unsubscribe and they might mark it as spam and then enough people do that it gets flagged in the system a lot of systems started marking this as spam and I, iCloud's kind of its own deal because iCloud does like the stealth filtering where it won't go into like a spam folder it will just vanish and, and the user never knows the sender never knows Apple just black bags it. it's a system that's worked well for a long time so you know Adam didn't monitor it that closely because it's something that just worked. But we did notice we were losing a lot of subscribers and we just thought it was a sort of a natural thing. But no, it turns out that, uh, yeah, we're getting blocked by these services. And he uh, called and yelled at Comcast a few times and, uh, you know, tracked down some other issues and, you know, did the stuff in the back end, got people set back up. That gained us almost all those subscribers back that we had lost. Anyone who runs an email list, especially if your business revolves around one, you should be aware of. And this is something you need to keep an eye on. You need to make sure that your emails to subscribers aren't bouncing in mass, you know, because sometimes things just bounce for, for perfectly natural reasons. Like someone doesn't have an address there anymore or, you know, other issues. I'm probably getting a lot of stuff wrong here. But anyway, so, but um, the thing that he was looking at was if a all emails to a domain were getting rejected. So if, if they all were, knew something was wrong. This is something to keep in mind, something to keep an eyeball on. You know, I, I know we'll be keeping a closer eye on that. But, um, and, and that kind of ties back into the net neutrality thing because it's, it's a little scary when uh, email services can just start randomly saying that your email is spam. And remember here, 
you might depend on getting that email to your opt-in paid customers. If it's being blocked by a third party, you're losing business and they take no responsibility. You may persuade them to stop blocking your email, but until you discover it's happening, until you persuade them, which doesn't always happen overnight, because I ran into the situation when I had switched to a different dedicated server system and suddenly that was coming from a block of IP numbers, like a bunch of IP numbers, one of which may have had a problem in the past. And I had to basically convince Verizon, AT&T, all these companies that I wasn't up to nasty stuff. Josh Centers is never up to nasty stuff. Now, as you all know, I co-wrote Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Well, what I've done here is donate a few copies to a fundraiser that I really think I can get behind. It's to buy a gifted young writer, Billy Moore, his first computer. You know, there are lots of other books, too, signed by their authors. And, of course, you can pick one of these books if you decide to donate. Head to GoFundMe.com slash Billy's dash first dash computer. That's GoFundMe.com slash Billy's dash first dash computer. Help this young writer out. This is the Tech Night Out Live. GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother in his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. With autumn in the air, it's time to think about getting ready for winter. And it's time to save at HerbalHealer.com. You'll find amazing seasonal savings to prepare you for the fight against cold and flu season. Like Oregacillin to promote lung health. 30 capsules, regularly $34.95, now only $25. 
HHA Olive Leaf, the natural antiviral, normally $16.95 now. 60 capsules are just $12. HHA Elderberry Power, a great flu and virus fighter, regularly $16.95. 60 capsules, now $10. Save on all our homeopathic detoxes. Choose from lungs, kidney, liver, brain, libido, or whole body, normally $26.95, now just $20. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click on the Fall Winter Specials button to save on all our natural cold and flu fighting products. Also explore our Herbal Healer Academy correspondence courses that teach you how to handle your health naturally. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. I am so excited. My Ghost 80% AR-15 rifle just arrived. (laughs) I bought it from Guns80.com. I've wanted an 80% AR-15 ever since my buddy Mark got his. I just had to have one. And when I was on the website at Guns80.com, Not only did they have a great deal on the Ghost ARs, but I also found lots of other really cool stuff. And they're 80% specialists. At Guns80.com, they have a great selection of pistol kits and rifle kits. All of them can be legally shipped straight to your front door. 80% lowers and jigs starting at $50. 80% rifle kits, $500. Everything you need to build an AR in your home, all at Guns80.com. Cool part, 100% legal in most states. So, get your AR-15 today. I got mine. Now it's your turn. Go to Guns80.com. I can't wait to get mine built. Get your Ghost AR-15 today at Guns80.com. Go to Guns80.com. That's Guns, the number 8080.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. What Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books may be interested in conspiracy theories. So anyway, you know, if you're a business, you're sending out email, be careful and monitor the bounces which I do with our emailing lists. We have a way of checking for bounces. And if we start getting a lot of bounces, we know there's a problem. Okay, that's that. Let's move to another topic here. And I want to check about this here. And that is, Apple has done something here with regard to iMessage to allow you to disconnect your phone number after you switch to another device. Now, we're not talking about the wisdom of going to Android or Windows Phone or something. We're talking about the fact that if you have your phone number stored in iMessage and you leave the service, you run into a problem. Josh, explain. What the problem was is that um, one of the genius bits about iMessage is that it was able to just seamlessly replace your old-fashioned SMS messaging. So when you sign up for iMessage, um, it essentially bonds to your cell phone number. And what was happening was, um, now you can turn it off at any time from your iPhone, but if you um, forgot to turn it off and you switch to another phone, and you may not even have your iPhone anymore. Let's say you get like a Windows phone, you sell your iPhone, you get a Windows phone, and suddenly you would not get um, messages from your uh, iPhone using friends because it would still be going over iMessage, which you're no longer tied into, or maybe are on your Mac, but it wouldn't hit your phone, which did not have iMessage. And this was a common complaint for a long time, and Apple just totally ignored it until something happened. A lady in California got fed up and 
she sought the right to get a class action lawsuit uh, organized against Apple, which she has been granted uh, as of, I believe, yesterday. So now let's point out the show is being done on a Wednesday. It will be heard on oh, a Saturday night. So it happened on a Tuesday. Sounds like a movie title. It happened on a Tuesday. Go ahead. So, uh, you know, again, at, you know, Apple's in court and it uh, looks like they will be facing a class action lawsuit. Um, you know, maybe they're able to settle it now. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. But uh, I guess that has helped inspire them to create this online tool. And so now. All you have to do, you know, if you have an Android phone, you used to have an iPhone, um, you're not getting your messages. You just go to this website. We've linked to it from Tidbits. It's our top story right now. You just go there. You enter your phone number. They text you a confirmation code. You enter that in uh, to prove who you are, and they untie that phone number from iMessage. And in theory, you should get all of your uh, messages again. So if Apple fixed the problem, why a lawsuit? Well, the lawsuit was started months ago well well the the process to start the lawsuit um the way i understand the lady had to get permission from the court to go through with this lawsuit and so the argument was she was a verizon cut subscriber she was paying for messaging service and apple was preventing her from getting it judge lucy co um you might remember from previous apple cases said okay that sounds reasonable to me i think you have a case here so I'm not quite sure how a class action is built. I'm, I'm guessing her law firm will start ask, you know, placing ads and stuff, asking if other people have been affected by this. So you've been affected. You want you know re- want to receive you know five bucks in the mail. Uh, you sign up for the thing, or you know I'm not quite sure how, how all that works. But that's that's what Apple's facing now. Um, and then maybe maybe they'll be able to settle it out of court. That would seem like the um, the sensible solution to the problem. But, um, you know, and frankly, I, I, I think she has a case, too, because, I mean, she was paying for this um, messaging service. You know, I don't, know what, I don't know what kind of plan she had. You know, now in Verizon, uh, messaging is just rolled into the plan, but you used to have to pay for each text message um, or you'd have to have a separate um, unlimited plan for messaging. So, yeah, I mean, she, she was paying for that and wasn't getting it. And Apple was the reason why. Uh, yeah, they should be held responsible. And, and they should have had this tool, um, at, you know, ideally from the get go, you know, from, from the start of iMessage. Um, but but if not, then, um, in you know, a year ago, uh, you know, I mean, at the latest, I mean, it, it should have taken it just should not have taken this long. So as we see here, Apple, by sitting on their, you know what, inconvenience customers, and this is so stupid because, yes, maybe Apple will only pay, you know, $50 million to address this, and that's a drop in the bucket. And maybe they'll send a letter out saying, I'm sorry we did this. We fixed your problem. Here's a coupon for iTunes. And we can also offer you a great deal on an iPhone if you want to come back to Apple. It's the usual sort of nonsense you find with these class action lawsuits. You know, they ask for all sorts of millions of dollars. A company will quite often settle, even if they feel that if they prolong the issue, they might win. The lawyers will get untold millions of dollars in settlement fees. You know, maybe a third or 40 percent of the total depends on the deal. And then in the end, the customers get bupkis. So you wonder why they do these things. But there you go. Yet another class action lawsuit. Right. You know, it's like the old saying, uh, if you love somebody, let them uh, set them free. And if, uh, you know, if they truly love you, they'll come back. Right. You know, um, 
I know a lot of people who they tried to switch to Android for a while and they went back to iPhone. Um, but but Apple doing things like this. Now, I'm not saying um, they're necessarily intentionally being malicious. Uh, John Gruber argued that uh, he thought they, they just didn't see that anybody would have switched to anything else after the iPhone, <laughs> which I don't know. I'm not quite sure if I swallow that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, uh, you know, part of building user trust is to be, you know, friendly to the user, even if the user no longer wants to use your product, um, because people do change their mind. Um, and and you, you don't want to try to do anything to, um, you know, lose that trust or to uh, cause resentment against your brand. So I, I think it was a bit foolish on Apple's part, no matter how you look at it. Well, definitely. They weren't thinking, and now they'll pay the price. And they get bad publicity, which doesn't seem to be affecting their stock price at all. But so why do you want to put up with that aggravation? Who knows? All right. So once again, if you switched from an iPhone to an Android or Windows phone or whatever device or even a BlackBerry, we have a salesperson, by the way, who recently joined the company, Andy Shopik, really nice guy. He uses a BlackBerry, and I don't really rag on him if he likes his BlackBerry fine. But he would be impacted, too, if he had switched from an iPhone and didn't unlock his number for my message. Of course, I look at it this way. Apple should have considered this. It shouldn't be so hard to unlock the system. Why do they have to provide a special system to unlock this number? Right. Well, well, you know... um iMessage is kind of a kind of a unique thing since it bonds to your um, phone number and it kind of takes the, it takes the place of standard messaging. Um, and there may have been a better way to do that. I, that that's an engineering question that I, I'm not really handled to answer off the cuff. Um, but uh, you know, in any, I mean, in any case, they, they should have anticipated this. They should have had a tool a long time ago, or, you know, or, or some way to do it. You know, I mean, because. I, you know, otherwise, the only other way to do it was to call um, Apple support. And um, I, I've heard from a number of people who've said that, uh, you know, that they would be subjected to long, very long hold times, very long wait times, which, which is kind of unusual for Apple. I don't ever remember spending a memorable amount of time, you know, on hold with Apple ever. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But you know, part, part of the conspiracy um, my conspiratorial mind is thinking, you know, they were just trying to make it hard to switch away. But, um, you know, I have nothing to back that up. So, uh, you know, yeah, but I, I'm just glad there's a tool now. I have a feeling here that this was not something high on the list of priorities. They didn't think about it. They didn't consider this. And maybe there was some hubris there. But I just think it wasn't on their list of priorities. And there you go. A little bit later in this episode, by the way, we'll be featuring Jason Snell. He used to work with Macworld. He was a big boss over there. And he'll give you some inside information as to why the folks at the parent company, IDG, decided to discontinue print versions of the magazine. I mean, it's part of the overall problems with the publishing industry, the fact that people don't buy print magazines like they used to. That's Jason Snell a little bit later in the show. Also want to remind you that we're working on a new premium service for Tech Night Owl Live listeners called Tech Night Owl Plus. We'll offer an ad-free version of the show and a higher resolution audio file. We'll offer a chat room. 
will offer lots of really interesting features going forward. And just stay tuned for more information about Tech Night Owl Plus. We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books, and he's written about Apple TV and a lot of other stuff. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. From the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. For all our loyal listeners, it's time for another giveaway. Over the next 30 days, our friends at SupernaturalSilver.com are giving away six 16-ounce Supernatural Silver liquids valued at nearly $100 per bottle or their skin and body gel priced at $49.98. All you have to do is enter and win at GCNlive.com. Hurry, contest ends December 5th. GCN can give you and your loved ones a fighting chance with the Supernatural Silver giveaway at GCNlive.com. We the People Grow Cotton, Weave Fabric, Engrave Ink, Embed Strips and Fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the Freeze Dry Guys Three Square Meal Unit Sale is just the ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is Freeze Dry Guys' favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call Freeze Dry Guy and ask for details on the 120. 26 serving three square meals unit. One case normally 164.37. Sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and three square meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze dried and dehydrated foods available for long term storage. Period. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Josh Sanders of Tidbits is here, and we've got a few things to talk about before we let him leave the room. We've got him locked in, like iMessage. You know, he's sitting down there and we have to do a special thing to unlock him. Otherwise, he's here. Did you hear the report about Mac OS X hints? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I Mac OS X hints, which has been around since, I guess, 2000. Rob Griffiths founded a thing. He then sold it to Macworld back in 2006. And now, I guess there's no need for that anymore. It's basically going away. Right. So um, he sold it. Yeah, he sold it to Macworld a few years ago, and then, then he left in 2010. And it looks like um, IDG is just kind of letting it wither and die on the vine. Um, they haven't pulled it down, but they also haven't updated it in 45 days. Um, and, and this is this is a site that was you know often updated several times a day. So um, 
Yeah, uh, you know, that's that's sort of what Rob said. You know, it's not really needed anymore. And I, I tend to agree. You know, back back in the early days of OS ten, there was a lot of things. Um, you know, if if you were unless you were just a very basic user, you, you would want to um, you know, tweak in in the terminal. Uh, you'd uh, you know all these little advanced things to you know to work around bugs and problems and uh, you know all that. But um, you know you don't really have, even a power user doesn't really have to do a lot of that stuff now. Um, there's, and there's not really not not really enough OS 10 hints to even uh, you know, I mean it, it was hard. For, I mean we haven't even come up with a good uh, you know uh, Yosemite Tips article for tidbits yet. So like you know much less having a uh, you know, a, a site that has them every day. So yeah, I mean, I, I think the it's time just kind of came and went, and uh, you know, it's just, it's a natural death. Mac OS 10 hints. It means also that I guess the operating system has become so efficient that you don't have to worry about that. And is that maybe the goal of making this more appliance-like OS 10 iOS? And if you don't need hints to use an appliance, do you? Right, exactly. Well, and also the hardware is just that much more powerful. Um, I mean, you know, even a, I don't know about a Mac Mini, but I, I think most Macs nowadays have way more than enough power to do most of the things, uh, you, know, you know, people need to do on a computer. You know, it's it's not often I hear anymore, and this used to be a common question. I'm sure you remember this, Gene. You know, you would go to buy a computer and you'd have to ask yourself, does this have enough power to do the things I want to do? Um, and, and that is, usually isn't the case anymore unless you're a gamer or you do video editing or, or something of that nature. Um, you know, I had a guy email me the other day and ask, uh, said he wants to get into podcasting uh, and what kind of Mac does he need for that? Well, it, just buy any Mac you want, really. I mean, you don't need anything special for, you know, for audio podcasting. You know, uh, you, your money's better spent in uh, recording equipment and software. Uh, you know, I mean, you can, I mean, you could buy probably the, the basic Mac Mini um, the Apple just kind of refreshed off the shelf and it'd be fine. So yeah, I mean it's it's uh, you know the desktop computing space has kind kind of gotten mature, frankly kind of boring, um, but that's not a bad thing. You know these you know in the Steve Jobs analogy, you know they're trucks and trucks aren't meant to be exciting. They're just they're there to get the job done. Well, you know there's some people who drive trucks who will disagree with you. I'm not among them, of course, but there are people who think that trucks, you know, the latest truck is exciting. I couldn't tell the difference between a Ram truck and a Toyota truck, and people will think I'm done, but, you know, trucks are not on my radar. And now all the Toyota and Chrysler fans are going to be screaming at me. <laughs> well, you know, I, mo I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the South, so you know, I'm very much in pickup truck territory. Actually, I just bought one. I got a, a 96 Ranger, uh, you know, for various hauling needs that, you know, because we need to haul stuff all the time, and it's starting to become, become a pain with our little cars. And, uh, you know, but, you know, most of the guys I know around here, who and it's mostly guys who, who have pickup trucks, you know, they'll buy one truck and keep it for as long as possible. And they're, and they're very proud of that fact. And, you know, and I show my old kind of beat up truck I just bought. And they, they think it's awesome. So, you know, it, uh, it's the nice thing about pickup truck. It, uh, it builds character over time, <laughs> unlike any other kind of vehicle. You're not interested in snazzy looks unless the truck is. The snazzy thing. Let's get on to some other topics here with Josh Centers before we let him have his iMessage delivery released. <laughs> All right. Okay. 
I can just talk about trucks the rest of the time. That's that's cool with me. But <laughs> yes, but I wouldn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I probably that's... wouldn't either. Okay, let's look at some other topics here. Now, iTunes 12 ain't getting the love, as they say. Some people say, you know, I should have stayed with iTunes 11. What have you heard about that? Uh, you know, it's it's mixed. I, th I think it's more negative than positive. But, I mean, some people really like iTunes 12. Some people really hate it. Um you know, I, I'm not really a fan, but on the other hand, I'm not exactly pining for iTunes 11 because I don't think that was any better. Um, you know, part of my problem with iTunes 12 is that the interface, um, well, in iTunes 11, they hid so much of the interface, which they're trying to make it simpler. But to me, they just made it more, um, they made things more obscure. And then, um, you know, iTunes 12, you know, they just kind of rearranged things a bit and, and compressed things some. And uh, the interface tends to change depending on which options you pick, but it, it's, it's not intuitive. Like, for instance, you know, you can be in my music, you're viewing by albums and it shows you like um, it shows you the grid of, of album art. But then, you you know, if you select, uh, let's see, like songs, then you get the old spreadsheet view that, you know, iTunes has had forever. Um, and this is very confusing. I, I never know just what iTunes is, is going to do. Um, frankly, I. I I kind of pine for the old days of like, you know, iTunes three when it was just a spreadsheet, it had a sidebar with a, a few options in it. And, you know, you'd click one and you, you'd search for something and it would just come up and you would play it. And that, that was that. And I, I feel like I've, ever since really for a long time now, I've been fighting with the interface. And the frustrating thing is they keep redesigning it and they keep rethinking it and they don't. They never seem to get it right. They never seem to find one that makes people happy. But then you'll have people who vehemently defend iTunes 11 and even iTunes 12 and say, you know, it's way better than what it used to be. So Apple's kind of in a conundrum here. You know, do they do they give, uh, you know, the people who like the old older interface what they want or do they, um, you know, give, uh, you know, this other group the, the newest, shiniest thing? And I think with 12, they've kind of tried to give both while not making it too fiddly and to me it's just confusing but um i've gotten used to it i i can use it uh it, you know it's not the most confounding software ever used but um uh i think they could do better well some people suggesting one solution not that i'm recommending this is to break up iTunes because it does so many things and have separate apps, but that isn't so easy. That's kind of what is being done, for example, in part on your iPhone. So you have the podcasts app, et cetera, et cetera, and you have the music app and maybe do that on the Mac. But the problem here is people forget that iTunes is a cross-platform app. So you have to have a Mac version. You have to have a Windows version. And that's confusing if you expect to download six apps to do all these things when people are looking at this well i'm in itunes and i want to rent a movie i want to download some music i want to get an audiobook if you fragment that it just makes it confusing for the end user so yes maybe itunes is becoming a little bulky to be blunt but the alternative is worse isn't it Right. Yeah. There's no. There's no clear, simple solution. I mean, I'm sure 
um, the Mac side, the Mac people would love to copy what's in iOS and, you know, have a music app, have an iTunes app, have a, a podcast app. And, uh, you know, and that would probably be great. And that would probably work just fine. But yeah, what do you do about Windows? Now you suddenly have to maintain all these Windows apps um, or either that or you keep Windows with the old interface and, and that, you know, then you have an even more code to deal with. You know, you have several projects now instead of, you know, just one or two. Let's continue this in a moment because I want to discuss this before the remainder of our segment with Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Adam Miller here with Midas Resources. Today is October 29th, 2014. Gold opened at 1223.40. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1268.34, 634.17 for a half ounce, or 317.09 for a quarter ounce. That's 1268.34, 634.17, and 317.09. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explained this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV 
On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. I'm Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. A reminder once again, check technightowl.com, technightowl.com, our web portal for announcements about the new Tech Night Owl Plus subscription service coming real soon now. Okay, so we're talking about the complexity of breaking up iTunes into separate apps. But what if Apple did this as an alternative? Continue iTunes the way it is now. But for those who care, offer a separate movie, music, podcast app just for those who want it. I just don't think that's something. Yeah. I, w- I want to say there that Apple doesn't like offering options, but you know, with two sizes of iPhone, they kind of do now, right? So I, I think that would lead to a lot of user confusion. You know, I, I don't think uh, I don't think they'd want to do that. There, there just isn't really. They're, they're trying to please to me people and. You know, and there's, you know, and they have to they have to please people on two different platforms because I don't know the numbers on this. I'd say probably most iPhone users are also Windows users. Uh, that may be less true now than it was, but um, they they just kind of their hands are kind of tied, and you know, so they're trying to please people, uh, you, you know, who like the old spreadsheet, and they also want to try to please people who want something uh, more visual, uh, and uh, they're not really making anyone happy. But I don't think they're in a position where they can. It's a very tricky problem. If they can't solve it, then you know I don't know if I have a better idea. Unlike the the iMessage snafu, there's no real clear, obvious solution. Well, iMessage is just an organizational setup kind of scheme, but I like the way it's integrated now. Where on my Mac, I could send messages to anyone, even those on a regular cell phone using SMS, and I could receive phone calls. And that's, of course, part of continuity in Yosemite. So that's the kind of integration we want. And that's the other argument. Apple is selling integration, not both operating systems being the same, but integration to make it easier to use. And that one feature is really good. You know, I get announcements about things and my iPhone is stuck in the bedroom. But now it doesn't matter because 
I look on my Mac and I'm getting a sales announcement from a local restaurant or something. Well, if you buy two of these fast food meals, you get this, that, and the other thing. So I'm seeing an advantage to that. I like that. And if you fragment things, again, you just confuse the end user. And that's not the Apple way. Right. You, you know, here's another interface issue on the Mac is that, so, you know, unless you've replaced your keyboard or something else, you know, if you use the the official Apple keyboard um, or the one built into your laptop, you have these media keys. You have, you know, the rewind, fast forward, uh, play, pause. You know, the way the Mac handles that by default, you press play, it launches iTunes and it plays, uh, you know, whatever you had loaded up last time on iTunes. And if you use third-party audio apps, like let's say you use um, down, like Downcast for podcasts and, or you use Instacast or you use like say Spotify or RDO for streaming music alongside iTunes, um, if you ever had all those open at the same time, you, you know how confusing that can be because they all have their own different ways of capturing those that media key input if they do at all. So that's the problem. Like let's say, you know, you have... Um, you know, movies, uh, you know, or like a videos app, you have a music app, you have a podcast app on your Mac, you press play, you know, what happens? You know, you have them all open at the same time, you hit play, and they're all in the background, what happens? That, that would be it. fun, though, of course, the music plays, the movie plays, and then the podcast plays at the same time. Or even better, sometimes you can give them uh, different apps to sync up in such a way, so you, pl- you play the button and a podcast will start playing and you hit it again and the music starts playing but the podcast stops you don't know what you want or what you're getting <laughs> oh that sounds exciting you know i can't wait this just got me going you know i just think about this that we can just really create chaos and we don't want chaos because if you want chaos you've got android you've got windows 8.1 which will soon be of course the operating system formerly windows 8.1 which becomes windows 10 i haven't figured that out yet Except I think there's some concern if they use Windows 9, it would conflict with the Windows 9s of the 90s. But I'm not going to get into that. So, Josh Centers, if you were the guy looking over Jeffrey Robbins' shoulder at Apple over iTunes, what would you tell him? You know, I don't know how popular this opinion would be. I would just tell him to go back to simple. You know, go, you know, go look at iTunes 3, iTunes 4, just... Take a look at how simple that interface was and just do that again. And, you know, maybe that won't be, you know, exciting to look at. You know, maybe it won't be that interesting, but at least it'll be clear and simple. You know, if you want the iTunes store to look kind of flashy, that's fine. But, you know, just just make it easy to, to see what I have and to play it and don't have an interface that gets in my way. Don't make me use, you know, drop down boxes or like, you know, click mysterious little icons to reveal all my content. You know, just give me a sidebar, you know, give me the spreadsheet. Give me a search box, you know, and the media controls, and, and we'll be great. Just, you know, get rid of the pinstripes and the brushed metal and, you know, kind of give it, you know, that modern Yosemite kind of look. And that that's the direction I'd like to go in, but I, I doubt that's going to happen. Well, maybe in this case, Apple's trying to do too much. Oh, I think exactly. They're trying to please everyone while they're pleasing nobody. I just restored, I'm going to ask you about this. I just restored one of my iPhones. Mm-hmm. Full restore, meaning going back to a raw product and reinstalling all the apps and everything through iTunes. But it wouldn't offer an option anymore to restore my email accounts. You used to have that option. 
Right. Now it doesn't have that option anymore. So what went wrong? What did Apple do to us? Yeah, you know, I I don't know exactly because I well, I got my iPhone six. Um, you know, I, I've always done iCloud restores um, where I get new devices or I have to wipe something. And you know, all, all of my peers kept saying, you know, no, do the i do do iTunes iCloud's slow and um, you know do iTunes it's fast and reliable. And so I backed up my iPhone five through iTunes. Um, you know, made sure you know backed up apps. It was set to backup apps and all that. And then, you know, I restored my iPhone 6 and, you know, and one of the things people said was you don't have to re-enter your passwords if you um, backed up to an encrypted iTunes backup. Like, it'll restore it with the passwords and everything. Be like, you know, like nothing happened. And so I get my iPhone 6. It, it restored maybe three of the apps for my iPhone 5. Uh, it was it was asking me for my email passwords. And it all was a that. mess. Yeah. And I just said the hell with it and i uh i just wiped it and started fresh and set things up new um you know so i, I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> that's what i did by the way i did this with an iphone because i was running into a problem where it wouldn't remember every time i launched our message forum app from a company called zen foro that i had logged in previously i had to constantly log in and apple said do a clean full restore don't restore from a backup. There you go. Josh Centers, where do we find more of your stuff? You can find me on tidbits.com and uh, my book, iOSA, to Take Control Crash Course at takecontrolbooks.com. Josh Centers, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me, Gene. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic Lows. You can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. 
For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three square meals you'll need in an emergency. So the freeze-dry guys three-square meal unit sale is just the ticket. A variety pack of tasty, nourishing breakfast, lunch, and dinner on sale now. Breakfast is freeze-dry guys' favorite. Hot oatmeal and sweet dehydrated bananas. Lunch is Mountain House freeze-dried hot macaroni and cheese and crisp green beans. And dinner is Mountain House long-grain wild rice pilaf and hearty beef stew, vegetables, and gravy. Call freeze-dry guy and ask for details on the 120 26 serving 3 square meals unit. One case normally 164.37, sale price at only 138.90. Save over 25 bucks. Get two or three cases and save even more. Or ask about Freeze Dry Guys Fall Chili Special. Always free shipping to the lower 48 states. Call 866-404-3663 or click freezedryguy.com. And hurry, the Fall Chili Special and 3 square meals unit are on sale while supplies last. From the Freeze Dry Guy, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available for long-term storage. Period. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Jason Snell, a former muckety muck over at Macworld. Yes, and, former. No, but, no longer do I have a very long title, and that's fine with me. So, do you have a title anymore? I don't have a, I don't actually know what to call myself. I don't, yeah, proprietor of various things. I realized the other day that technically I am actually a professional podcaster now because uh, a much larger percentage of my income than ever before uh, is coming from the various podcasts I do. That's weird, but there I am. Well, okay. So you and I are professional radio broadcasters. Yeah. Right. Well, now you learn how it feels <laughs> on the other side of the world. And I'll tell you, it can get kind of squirrely. But we have some new stuff going on here. Of course, we are on a real network called GCN. And GCN is now allowing us to actually let people to get ad-free versions of the show via subscription. Ah. So the income that is replaced from advertisers is covered, I guess, by the listeners. We'll have to figure that out. We're still working out how the system works. In any case... It's not unusual for print magazines to give it up and go digital. You had been with Macworld for, what, 17 years? 17 years. Now, I have to tell you before we go on, I have not worked for 17 years at anything. Few people have. Very few people have. Anymore, yes. you know, it used to be when, this is almost another discussion, when you and I <laughs> were young whippersnappers, people would get a job and they'd be lifers. Yeah, you get a gold watch at the end, right? 
<laughs> right. Now you get a gold watch after two years because yeah. that's about as long as it is. Now, seriously, yeah. I wonder what the average duration of someone's job is nowadays. Yeah, it, I think that's true. I, I definitely saw at Macworld, we actually had a surprising number of people who'd been there a long time. You know, I some of the people I hired fairly early on were still there. I, I, I was I came into 2014. There were probably five or six people uh, just on Macworld who'd been there a decade or more. That doesn't happen so much anymore. I mean, for me, for me, part of it was that that, that was at the time that I got into the media business, if you wanted to write about, let's say, Apple full time, your employment opportunities were extremely limited. And I got a good opportunity at Mac user. And then I moved to Mac world and they kept promoting me and giving me new things to do and new challenges. And so, you know, you look up and it's 17 years later and and it's not the, the moments that I felt like I had been doing this thing for too long and I was bored were were few and far between. But like when I had been editor in chief of Macworld for like seven or eight years, I uh, decided to take this editorial director job in charge of PC World as well, in part because I, I just I'd done that job. I'd done that job for so long and I wanted a, I wanted a different challenge, even though I loved that job. So I did that. But that that it happened then. But uh, up until then, I had pretty much just been kind of popping around between one task and another. And they always kept me interested. And like I said, until a few years ago, when uh, people really started being able to write about uh, about Apple and technology kind of independently or and Apple got big. So people were writing about Apple in other places. I mean, when I started, the options were not what they are today. You didn't you, you couldn't jump around from place to place as easily because there weren't so many places. Everything was much more entrenched and things had changed a lot, which is, I think, for the better. But they've changed it a lot. All right. How much warning did you get that Macworld was going to give up print? Did the decision of PC World to go all digital, did that kind of give you the clue that it had to happen with a Mac magazine? Yeah, PC World was the warning shot. It was very clear that, that Macworld would follow. We didn't really know uh, when that would happen. You could make the argument that Macworld could have stuck around in print for longer. But I think... Although people like to pay, paint the picture of it as being like Macworld's magazine closed down in print and they laid off a bunch of people. That's actually the opposite of how it really went down, which is the company laid off a lot of people and had to, essentially had to shut down print because they didn't have the people to do it anymore. Uh, I think that would be a more accurate way to put it is, is the, the staff cuts were so large that you know, there was nobody, there was going to be nobody left there to do uh, something in print like that. There's so much overhead in doing print that you don't have if you're doing it. They're still doing a, t a tablet edition, but it, it's a very different workflow than and, and very less human intensive than the one that we that, that it takes to do a print magazine. So I don't know. I mean, the writing was on the wall. I think the writing's on the wall for all print magazines. Uh, in the end, I thought it would go on a little longer, but I didn't think there would be a, a second wave. We had two massive waves of layoffs at IDG Consumer Division in 2014. I, you know, most of the strategy post the first layoff, I would have I would have probably bet that Macworld would have continued in print for another year. Uh, but uh, there a bunch of things happened. The founder and owner of the company died and uh, they did a. a the latest in a series of reshuffles of the company. And in the end, they made some new decisions, cut further a second wave of layoffs. And as part of that, they shut down the, the print magazine. So I think it had much more, I mean, it was inevitable, but I think it had a lot to do 
it happened that moment because they wanted to make these staff cuts and you couldn't do one. You, you literally couldn't cut the staff they cut and say, keep doing a print magazine because there, there would be nobody to do it. Obviously, with print magazines, and I've worked with print magazines for a number of years, even did some sort of staff work early on. You have to have a basic production staff to get this yeah. out. It's not just editorial and posting it in some kind of content management app or WordPress or something like that. But the big question is here, was it a matter of sheer money that these employees were not delivering sufficient well, I mean, you, uh, productivity. You could, what what was you, the decision here? Uh, well, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but uh, I, I will say, get you in trouble. But yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, what I would say is, <laughs> I don't think this was a, a case of editorial people being um, not doing their jobs. I, I, I think uh, there were serious financial problems with the business. I think if you looked at it, you would see that. Even as staff got cut, the traffic remained pretty solid and revenue went down. So, okay, uh, so that's the point being here. So, is so, it's dollars and cents. Yeah, they're but saying what I, that. What I would say is the sure. people who were in charge of the business and making money and selling advertising failed. And so they fired editors. You know, I, I can't put it better than that. It's that the editors were not the ones who uh, came up short in this situation. I think the traffic was solid, but the business was changing. And I totally understand IDG was in a very difficult business situation and had to make some structural changes. But it is difficult to see something like this happen when, um, you know, the, the big change that happened was not that the editorial quality suffered or that the uh, the traffic went down or that subscriptions were dropping like a rock or anything like that. The reality is, is that the ad market fell apart. And uh, even though the editorial people have no power or control or anything over the ad market, it didn't matter. They, they needed to get smaller and that meant editorial people had to go. All right. And that maybe paints a larger picture of the future of the publishing industry in general and how they monetize the things they do. It's because hard being a legacy media company, especially media is a hard business to be in regardless. Even uh, I just saw while, while we're talking, uh, Say Media announced that uh, they were going to sell off all of their content titles. And that's a new media business with a, a tech infrastructure and a great CMS that they're building and all these things. And the whole idea was that they were going to be a combination of tech and, 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 and media and they were going to put it together and they're going to get out of media. Media is a tough business to be in right now, regardless even if you're not a legacy company. And if you're a legacy company like IDG has been, then it's even harder because you've got even more change you have to go through and your brands are older and you've got your finances are all based on a world that no longer exists. And it's very difficult to change until it's too late because you don't want to kill the goose that laid the golden egg. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough business to be in, in media in general and legacy media in particular. And you know what? If you do a little look at history, as I've done, I've been reading a book here about a guy named Ray Palmer, who was very popular in the science fiction field and very controversial in the science fiction field. And he wrote for a number of these pulp magazines in the 30s and 40s. And guess what? If you look at a lot of these magazines, consumer magazines that appeal to consumers in general, they routinely go from publisher to publisher. They are stopped. They are resurrected. New magazines take their place. It's a very, very fluid business. Yes. And therefore, very awful business, but also great fun if you do make a success at it. Jason Snell, formerly of Macworld, now an independent podcaster and commentator. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> 
independently leading the way for the nation. Compelling talk for every political persuasion. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. You haven't experienced yogurt until you've tried a Mossy, embodying health and flavor in a true whole milk, green-fed dairy beverage. Every sip pays homage to our old-world cows and the ancient culturing methods their milk benefits from. With over 30 probiotics, a Mossy's undeniably nutritious, refined, cultured sensation bolsters your health and awakens your passion for dairy. A Mossy's so good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. So as we're saying, the world of print, consumer print, very fluid, very different in the 21st century, trying to find the right mix to basically have a company be profitable. And it's very difficult for any company to be profitable. Ask Samsung. They're finding it less easy to yeah. make profits in what they do. Business is tough. You know, it's, there was a time I was thinking about this. It was, uh, what a time to be alive. If you were working at a daily newspaper in the uh, middle of the 20th century, you know, you had a pretty much like a license to print money at that point. But uh, those days, those days came to an end. And there are, there are some businesses that are, are doing pretty good. But, you know, business is tough in general. It's, it's tough and it changes. And if you're too slow to adapt, it will bite you. So the answer here, of course, is that there is one Mac publication left. Depends on, publication. depends on if you, in the United States, the only one that's left in print at this point is Mac life. Right. I'm not talking about Europe. We have a Mac world UK that's still around. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Mac format, which is the Mac life equivalent in the UK and Mac user in the UK as well. So Mac life is around they, the future. The publishers, they have do, done a really good job of doing magazines on the cheap. And so it's not really surprising that the, the publishing company that is, you know, already doing the, the low revenue, low cost kind of approach would be the one to to survive. Um, like I said, Macworld and PC World are still being done monthly, uh, just digitally only. They're no longer pr- printing on dead trees. Yeah, my understanding too is that I think a lot of the content in Mac Life is actually being done out of the UK office, out of the Mac format office, but it's still there. So it gets the uh, it gets the gold star for for still being on newsstands. And if you look at the staff, a very small core staff of full-timers, most of it is from freelancers. Oh, yeah. That's that's generally the model. You use freelance uh, to do most of the content. I mean, that one, one of the ways Macworld was different in the end is that we had a bunch of content creators on staff, a really good team of, of, of people. But one of the ways you do it is you have a small editorial staff. And basically what you do is give them a manuscript budget and say, go, go hire freelancers to write for you. And that's where Macworld is now. Macworld staff is three people. And one of those is Chris Breen, who I think is... He's still doing content, but he's also doing more working with writers, I think, than he used to. And then the other two editors there who are very good, um, they're working, you know, they've got their freelance budget and they're, they're hiring contributors. And that's how they're doing the site and the, and the digital mag. Susie Oaks, for example, was on our show a couple of weeks ago. She's great. She basically puts up with my guff. 
Yeah. Which means that she's my friend. And I knew her from the days when she was at MacLife. Yeah, exactly. And that's, we hired her from, did we hire her from Future? I think we did. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. And when, when all these cuts were happening, I told John Phillips, who is the editor-in-chief at IDG, and uh, who I hired to work for PC World, I said, you know, there are not very many people in this organization who could run Macworld when we were looking at the, the the cuts and people who decided to leave. And I said, Susie can totally do it. And she has done a good job. So, you know, I wish those guys I wish those guys nothing but the best. I you know, I uh, I I'm never going to be um, connected to anything uh, to the degree that I am going to be connected with Macworld. It's 17 years of my career attached to that brand. I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up being the person single person associated with that brand the longest <laughs> i get i don't know what I, I didn't get a gold watch although they did help me buy my imac on the way out the door so that's nice uh but so i you know i i, I don't want it to be a thing where the brand gets uh, tarnished and falls apart and is a laughing stock or anything like that i want the I, I would like it to be okay and i would like the the people there who i like and i think are 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 very good talented people to do well and so, yeah, Susie and Leah and Chris uh, on Macworld and then um, Caitlin uh, and John and a bunch of the other people who work there. Uh, you know, I wish them well. I would love uh, I would love to uh, maybe work with them again someday. So we'll see. Now, back to civilian life. Yes, I was discharged. OK. <laughs> Honorably. Yes. Obviously. Now, isn't it an interesting situation the last couple of years? Like, we had a time here in the year or two after Tim Cook became CEO of Apple, when everyone's saying, oh, the company's never going to regain its mojo. It's the operations guy. It's Tim Cook. He has no vision. And now, let's see, Apple, as we record this show, has finally restored the stock price to a level above what it was before prior to the stock split. The mm -hmm. market cap is higher than ever. So Tim Cook brought Apple back, or was it just a matter of perceptions and not giving him enough time to do what he does? Yeah, Tim Cook is... I mean, people said things like he's just the operations guy. All he knows is about inventory and all that. And then, oh, but Steve Jobs was special and he had a special touch and he was magical and all those things. Uh, conveniently leaving out the fact that uh, Steve Jobs worked with Tim Cook for years and years and years. And Steve Jobs picked Tim Cook to be the person to run Apple when he had to step away when he was uh, when he was in his last months. So which is it? So Steve Jobs is perfect and did a great job and and also made a terrible decision in bringing in Tim Cook. No, I think Steve Jobs had a really good idea of uh, of Tim Cook and Tim Cook is not a John, Johnny come lately. He had been at Apple for years and years. He'd seen the way that Steve Jobs had structured it and the way Steve Jobs worked. And I think Tim Cook understands very well what Apple is and how Apple works and how Apple needs to do its thing. And uh, what I think is really good about that is he understands what Apple needs to do, and he knows it so well that he never has to go to the let's just ape what Steve did playbook. And Steve Jobs very specifically said, don't just ask what Steve would do. You know, you got to make your own way. And so some of the structure changes that Tim Cook has made, it's very different from the way Apple was was run under Steve Jobs. But I think they've been good changes. I think Tim Cook is keeping like to the playbook of what Apple needs to be as a company without slavishly copying the structures and the decisions uh, that Steve Jobs made five or 10 or 15 years ago. And remember this too, had Steve Jobs been alive, he also would have made changes we can't predict. Oh, certainly. Certainly. That's part of it, too, is that people would say something like, oh, well, Steve Jobs never would have 
X, right? Never would have released the iPhone 6 Plus. Well, Steve Jobs changed his mind an awful lot. In fact, he's sort of famous for changing his mind on a drop of the hat, for decrying a product category and then jumping into the product category with both feet. Uh, This is what Steve Jobs did. So Steve Jobs was not a guy who, you know, our idea of Steve Jobs ends with his death. But he if he had lived, he would have changed his opinion on numerous occasions. You can't go back to that. His the book of Steve Jobs is great. It is also completed. And now out of date in the details. I think not in the philosophy of what Apple can can be and how that's why they set up things like Apple University to get the like the culture which came from Steve Jobs. But the individual day-to-day decisions need to not be a, well, Steve wouldn't like this kind of thing because you have no idea what Steve Jobs would think today about this because the world has changed already. We forget that when he was first exposed to the possibility of an iPod, he said no, as I recall. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did that a lot and then he would flip around. And and that was that was Steve Jobs. I, I mean, my favorite one is that he talked about how nobody wanted a uh, wanted video on an iPod. And like two months later, they had a video iPod. So it was obvious that they were already working on it. But he was still saying, no, no, nobody wants that. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, I think Tim Cook has been proven to be a very good leader for Apple. And I think the, the challenge for people is to see Tim Cook as the leader of Apple and not the guy who's in the in the Steve Jobs role, because Steve Jobs played a different role than Tim Cook plays. Tim Cook has his operations knowledge and he's got his CEO job. Um, Steve Jobs wasn't just the CEO. He was a lot of other things. And Tim Cook works with a team of people who are doing a lot of those roles. And it is true. You've got a whole team of people who have to do what Steve Jobs maybe did by himself. That's true. But um, the mistake would be to get into the CEO role and think, I need to be Steve Jobs, because you would fail at that if you're not Steve Jobs. But I don't think Tim Cook is even remotely trying that. I do notice also that, and maybe it's just because of the way people react to him, that he seemed, you know, kind of reticent when he'd first appear in public. Now he's become a media star. He does interviews and everything. He gets this immense round of applause. He shows up in an Apple store with a product launch, and he's a movie star. Isn't that strange? Well, Apple has that effect on everybody, I think. That it, it, you know, it doesn't change. The, that halo is still around Apple. I think Tim Cook is a pretty... Uh, I, well, I think Steve Jobs liked it. Uh, I think Tim Cook enjoys it less than Steve Jobs, perhaps. Um, he seems to be much more of a, a down-to-earth, kind of like, I don't want to be bugged, I just want to do my job kind of guy. But, um, but yeah, that's Apple. There's, there's a spotlight on Apple. And that's just uh, comes with the comes with the the territory these days. Okay, let's look at the things that are going on here with Apple. So Apple, until they came out with this 5K iMac, which is basically just the same iMac with a little more power and the Retina display. This year, they haven't really made major updates to Macs, yet the sales are off the charts. What happened here? It seems like, you know, Apple getting its second or third wind in the twilight of the PC era. We have Jason Snell joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. 
For all our loyal listeners, it's time for another giveaway. Over the next 30 days, our friends at SupernaturalSilver.com are giving away six 16-ounce Supernatural Silver liquid valued at nearly $100 per bottle or their skin and body gel priced at $49.98. All you have to do is enter and win at GCNlive.com. Hurry, contest ends December 5th. GCN can give you and your loved ones a fighting chance with the Supernatural Silver giveaway at GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, Jason Snell, podcaster, former big muckety-muck at Macworld, but now he's carving out a new role for himself. As a civilian. So this improvement, this gradual jump in Mac sales has become faster and faster. That Macs in this twilight of the PC era have become really big news more so than ever. How's that happening? Good. It's a good question. I, I think Apple, Apple always went for the high end of the market. People like Apple because of the quality of its other products. They get introduced to Apple with uh, the iPhone or the iPad and they say, oh, I like this. Maybe I'm in the Apple store. Maybe I should look at a Mac, too. That happens a lot. And as a result, those two things, the the halo around the other products, the fact that they're not making the cheapest product out there, but they're making a, a high quality uh, uh, product products that they don't make a two hundred dollar laptop. Right. So. Uh, that's a better part of the market. Uh, a lot of other parts of the market get squeezed. They, they're in a good part of the market. And that all contributes to this. I, I think I think this is also the flip side of why iPad sales aren't as good as people expected. I think people expected iPad sales to, to grow at a rate more like a phone. But I think that it's sort of iPads sl- get refreshed every few years, not like every two years, like an iPhone or some other smartphone, but maybe it's every four years, like a PC. And it also, some people would rather just keep their Mac than get an, I- get an iPad. I-, I think that's all connected too. So it-, it helps Apple in one category and maybe at the detriment of another. But Tim Cook has said several times, we're okay with that. People should get what they want. So, as long as we sell it to them. 
Well, I, d- I think that would be his preference. Yeah, it is. You can you can have whatever kind of Apple device you like. People still need computers and people like Apple's computers. And that's a part of the market that is not eroding like the low cost PC market, which is not so hot. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's a combination of Apple's position in the market and the fact that people like the Mac and they like Apple's other products. And that works for Apple, that there's a there's a, a really nice ecosystem. I hate to use that word, but it's true. A cycle between these different products. And the fact that the Apple stores are at the, at the mall really honestly really helps because people go into an Apple store looking for an iPhone or whatever, and they see these Macs in there. Apple's also making really good Macs. The Macs are best in class in terms of computers. The argument that you see sometimes about like smartphones saying, well, I don't know, Samsung's got a pretty good smartphone or HTC is doing a pretty good smartphone or Motorola. There is no argument that Apple isn't making the best computers. Those are the best. Like the hardware is the best. The software is good too, but the hardware is like the best. The laptops are the best. The Retina iMac is the best. So they're on their game when it comes to that stuff at a time when a lot of other companies are not paying attention to the PC market because there's not a lot of growth left there. And it's interesting, too, how Apple has kept the current versions of the operating system compatible with a pretty wide range of older Macs. Right now, as we do the show, I've got a 2009, late 2009, 27-inch iMac. And I have to tell you, with OS X Yosemite, it seems to run a little faster than it did with all the operating systems that preceded it. So it's not that Apple doesn't care about older hardware. We might have some of the arguments with, you know, a three-year-old iPhone or something, or a three-year-old iPad working with iOS 8. But with OS X Yosemite, we know there are a few features that can't be supported in the older hardware. But the basic stuff works really well. Yeah, it's a change in philosophy. It used to be that when Apple did operating system rollouts, they basically would say, look, this isn't entirely true, but mostly if it can't do a main feature of this new operating system, we're just going to cut it. We're going to say those systems are just going to stay back. And they don't do that anymore. They used to do that a little tiny bit with for some features. But now it's like they want everybody on OS 10 Yosemite 10.10, which is the new operating system that came out this fall. They want everybody on that. Uh, every modern, even modern-ish. I upgraded my four-year-old iMac yesterday to Yosemite and it, it works fine. Now, I know there are some features that aren't on for that computer because it's too old. But most of the features work great and it allows all the app developers to say we're all on the same version. It allows Apple to focus on that version for security updates. Uh, And that seems to be Apple's philosophy right now with the operating systems is is they want to push them out for free. They want everybody on them because that makes their platform a little more homogenous and it makes it easier to support. It makes it easier for security and it makes it easier for app developers. And that goes for iOS too. That seems to be their philosophy is they just want it out there. They want as many people to be on the latest version or a, a version back and not like scattered across five different versions. Does the policy from Microsoft to kind of open up Office more so we have Office for the iPad ahead of any comparable version of Windows, is that in part a response to Apple's decision to make iWork free with a new iOS or with a new Mac? I don't think so. I, I think it's a response to the fact that people have iPads and iPhones. And those people also may be using Office and it the lack of existence of Office apps on the iPad makes you less tied to Office. You find alternatives, you use Google's apps, you use third party apps, you just don't use Office. And I think Microsoft needed to respond to that because they want people to need Microsoft Office. They don't want people to be like, yeah, 
whatever. I mean, I work for iPad was introduced day one and yeah, they charged, but it was a nominal, it was 10 bucks per app or something like that. It was nothing. So the existence of iWork was a shot across the bow of Microsoft, I suppose, but mostly it was there to say the iPad is not just a toy. You can do work on it. If Microsoft was going to be driven to get office on the iPad, they should have been driven by the day it was announced and not the day that Apple essentially bundled it with all the iPads. If you wanted a word processor, there were plenty, including pages that you could buy. So, But of course, we have a new CEO over at Microsoft, mm -hmm. and he seems to be taking a more sensible approach, which is if they can sell you a cloud license to run Office on your iPad, on your iPhone, on your Mac, hey, money is money. Yeah, I think Satya Nadella is a really smart guy. I think he's free from a lot of the baggage of the past. Microsoft has so much baggage from the past. And Steve Ballmer, who was a smart guy, I really do believe a smart guy, but Steve Ballmer had been there since the beginning. And he had the support of Bill Gates, obviously, who'd been there from the beginning. Steve Ballmer's whole strategy was Windows, 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 everything Windows. The world has changed. And that was the right strategy in the 90s. But, you know, that was two decades ago now. Uh, you saw this with Windows Phone, which should never have even been called Windows, and Windows with the floor wax and dessert topping interface where there was like the shiny new phone-like interface on top, but the classic Windows interface underneath all mixed together in ways that confused everybody and made everybody unhappy. That was Got the, rid of all the excesses okay. because Vista was a pretty yes. Windows 7 shapeless was piece of... Windows right. 7 is what everybody who uses Windows wants to get back to. Right, that last true version. You're right. So Windows 8 comes out and it's the floor wax and the dessert topping, which when they introduced the interface, the Metro interface for Windows 8, I was sitting there thinking, oh, put that on a tablet. That'll be great. And then they said, it's going to be on a tablet. And I thought, oh, here comes Microsoft. And then they said, but you can press this button and then you just got a PC laptop with the classic Windows. And I thought, oh no, what are they doing? And uh, that's all tied up in this idea that in the end, it was, it was really kind of self-defeating. It was Microsoft saying, the only thing we've got is Windows. Our Windows dominance and our Office dominance are all we've got going for us. So we got to shove it down everybody's throats and we can't make anything new. And I, I think Nadella is, is smarter. He doesn't want Windows to go away. He also knows it's not going to go away, but he wants Microsoft's services to be everywhere. He wants, he, he wants Microsoft's cloud stuff, the Azure stuff to be adopted by businesses. He wants Office to be a service that, that people, not just, uh, not just businesses, but consumers subscribe to and, and use on all their devices. And I, and Nadella realized that you got to get past a lot of that, um, a lot of that pride, maybe that the, the firewall of like, well, everybody needs to come to Microsoft and say, no, we need to be everywhere. And then everybody will want to come to Microsoft and use our great products, presumably. So I, I really like the fact that he it's a little bit like Tim Cook taking over for Steve Jobs. I like the fact that uh, he's obviously going his own way and questioning some of the the, the dogma of the past and, and making some interesting, uh, interesting decisions that are not what the predecessor would have done. I, I think that's. I think that's a healthy sign. Whether they work or not, I think it's healthy that they're open to making decisions like that. I think a good way to see what Microsoft is doing is to look at the Office 365 package for home users. This is really something interesting because it's got some really interesting stuff. And we'll tell you more about that in a moment with Jason Snell. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
first came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Mike Stennerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Do you have relatives and friends that are convinced there is no need ever to prepare for any kind of emergency? Are these also folks you buy Christmas presents for? At 30dayfoodsupply.com, we can solve both of these problems at the same time. Go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010. We can ship your Christmas presents directly to them. Choose from our original 30-day food supply, our long-term storage vegan burger mixes, or other oatmeal, soups, porridges, beans, and granolas for everyday use. All products are non-GMO, MSG-free, and vegetarian. Most are gluten, soy, and nut-free. Call 541-229-0010 today. Oregon Trail Foods and 30dayfoodsupply.com keep prices low, cutting out the middleman by buying directly from their producers in Oregon. Remember, only $10 ships your entire order to the lower 48. Visit the website 30dayfoodsupply.com. Call 541-229-0010. 30dayfoodsupply.com. 541-229-0010. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body 
body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Jason Snell is here, and it's been like three years since the last time he was here before he was, you know, a vice president and a very <laughs> busy kind of guy and a corporate executive over at IDG with Mac World and managing PC World. And now he's a civilian again. He can hang out. He can take his shoes off and, and relax. Okay. So we're talking about Office 365. And just think about the deal you get here. $10 a month. You get all your office updates. You get the new versions. You get five installations of the personal computer version, Mac or PC, five mobile device like tablet installations, plus each user, five users, gets a terabyte of cloud storage, a terabyte of cloud storage for $10 a month. I mean, that's a bargain. Yeah. I mean, we could argue about like, what what did you pay for Office and how long did you use it? Like if you bought a version of Office for $100 or $150 and used it for two or three years, then this is a price increase. But it's a pretty good collection of services. And uh, yeah, no, this is very aggressive by Microsoft. Microsoft, look, I mean, this is sort of what I said in our last segment, which is Microsoft wants to be wanted by everyone and be everywhere. That was always the power of Office. That was always the power of Windows. It was almost everywhere. I mean, that, there are two ways to go. You can put a wall up and say, look, only very special people get to use Office. Or you try to take the wall down a little bit and say, look, it's not that much to be in the family and everybody, you know, I, I'm dealing with this now where I'm thinking, having left IDG, I'm thinking, do I want uh, the Microsoft stuff on my, on my stuff here in my house and with my family? And how do I want to do that? And it's not a bad deal. It really, it, it really isn't. Um, and that's interesting. I, I like that Microsoft is being that competitive with it. Just the cloud storage. Yeah, I mean, cloud storage is a, it, it's funny. I mean, I would say it's a differentiator. I think it's not a differentiator. I think this is this is what you've got to have to to be in the game. Google offers something like that. There's a Dropbox solution. Apple's got a cloud storage solution. I mean, you've got, you've got all these companies competing. And one of the ways they compete is by, I think, using the volume, they're using their sheer size to be able to afford better rates on on uh, on cloud storage than some little company could probably afford. And, you know, in, in that case, the consumer wins because you could uh, actually cobble together between some of these services. You could co you could cobble together a whole lot of cloud storage. Uh, and I think that's good as broadband speeds increase. Having a lot of cloud storage, you got to have that. That's that is a fundamental part of any offering like this is is the is being able to store your files up in the cloud. We're all poised and waiting for more widespread deployment of gigabit internet. That would be nice. It's coming to Phoenix from Cox. In Scottsdale, they have it. Here in Mesa, they do not. And it's almost affordable, 
But imagine that in all the major cities of the United States, affordable gigabit internet. Think of the possibilities if they give you enough bandwidth. Now, the other thing I see with Microsoft, obviously they're competing with Apple on the Surface 3 tablet against a MacBook Air. We see the commercials, which are kind of dumb. But otherwise, it looks to me that Microsoft and Apple are getting along better these days. We see, for example, that Spotlight in Yosemite is using Bing, and Microsoft has to be happy about that. And Microsoft is selling a lot of Office 365 deals for people on iPads. So Microsoft has to be happy with Apple. And therefore, I kind of think they're getting along a lot better. Am I mistaken? The old polarity, you know, doesn't apply anymore. This is not the the Cold War days, right? I mean, it's a it's a complicated world. So yeah, there are lots of places where Microsoft and Apple um, are complementary and other places where they compete. Uh, Just, you know, it's a world where Microsoft and Apple and Google, right? I mean, there are some cases where Microsoft and Apple collaborating is better for both because they're both taking on Google. Um, And that's sort of how it works, right? Is first they're your enemy and then they're your frenemy and then they're your sort of ally and eventually they're just your ally. I mean, that's like the Apple IBM deal, right? Is the full extent of that where Apple and IBM working together to sell iPads into enterprises, that's, they are, they're a team (laughs) that's come all the way around. And Apple and Microsoft teaming up to fight Google. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, I, I think that's the case. That even though uh, Windows and and Mac compete on the desktop, I think Microsoft, you know, in reality, it feels like. I mean, let's be real. Uh, Apple making inroads in the high end consumer PC market doesn't really have a huge impact on the future of Windows. I think, and. Uh, and they have so many other areas where they uh, where they can collaborate. And that's why you see Bing moving to the fore in terms of search on Apple's devices. And, uh, you know, I, I think you'll see I think you'll see more of that. I, I think the fact that uh, Mac users always complained about how Office trails um, on Mac from Windows, but Office is way ahead on iOS from any other mobile platform. So that's an example where it's good for Apple. It's good for Microsoft. And that's the promise of the next version of Mac Office, that it will have the same features as the Windows version. And don't you notice this, when Tim Cook came out as gay, something that a lot of people in the industry knew, Sure, Satya Nadella was one of the first people to congratulate him. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a different world. I, and I know people, I know really smart people who like are big Apple fans who cannot have, uh, you know, I know a really smart guy who is a big uh, gamer and he will not have an Xbox, even though it's a good console because it's made by Microsoft. And it's just like the wounds are too deep from Apple versus Microsoft. It's like that that day is over. I mean, th- that that day is over. The Apple Microsoft relationship, you still don't have to like Microsoft. There are a lot of things Microsoft does that we can you know, tilt our heads at go, what, what is that? But Microsoft is not the evil empire that they were. There are, there are things, plenty of things that Microsoft and Apple working together is good for both, which didn't probably used to be the case, but it certainly is now. Let's look back at iOS for a little bit more time here. Now we have iOS 8, zillions of new features. The number of new features is just amazing, except the fact that it doesn't appear that the adoption rate is as good as iOS 7. Yeah. So what's up there? I have mentioned some possibilities on the show, but let's take an open book here. And what do you think, Jason Snow? All right. Well, I've got two theories. You probably already espoused them, but I'll, 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 I'll go down that path. One is that uh, a lot of these devices uh, don't have a lot of storage space. The way Apple does updates, they want storage space on the device a large amount of storage space to push the uh, 
the update over the air. And I think this is a I think there's a problem. I think Apple actually needs to get better about how it uses storage space for software updates, because a lot of these people have relatively small. They've got an eight gigabyte iPhone or something, a 16 gigabyte iPhone. And, um, you know, it needs four or five gigabytes of storage space to install the OS. They don't have it. They're just like they shrug. I mean, I saw that with multiple people, people in my household. My wife had this problem. My son on his iPad had this problem. My mom had this problem. Um, and a lot of my friends had this problem, which is like, oh, it wants to install this thing, but it, I don't have enough space. So they just kind of shrug and are like, whatever, they don't do anything about it. So I think that's on Apple. I think Apple needs to do a better job of fitting it in a smaller amount of space, do a better job of communicating what people need to do. Can they offer to offload some things to the cloud temporarily and delete that off the device and then do the update and then move it back? Apple needs to get creative because I do think that's one of the problems. And if they want these older devices, especially that are the smaller ones to come along to the party, they need to do a better job there. So that's that's theory number one. Okay. before we do theory number two, let's do this break. Okay, and then we'll figure it out. Stay tuned. I like that. Jason Sell joins us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shields law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-297-0154. That's 800-297-0154. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. That's 800-297-0154. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. On the Tech Night Out Live, we welcome back Jason Snell after three years now that he's a civilian. <laughs> and he's giving us the reasons why not as many people are upgrading to iOS 8. Now, the mixed panel trends data that I'm looking at just before the show goes live on GCN is close to 58%. But that's somewhat behind iOS 7. So we mentioned the fact that it needs more free space. And if you have one of these devices with 16 gigabytes or 8, you can't install it. Yeah, and Apple to- has not done a good thing in alerting users. We can get into that in a moment. You had a second reason. So the second reason, and we should say that by in terms of adoption rates, Apple still has much faster adoption rates than um, Android phones do. But it is not as fast as it was last time. So the other thing, speaking of last time, is iOS 7 is one of the reasons why people are not updating to iOS 8. I really, really believe is the iOS 7 upgrade experience was so dramatic. It changed everything. The entire look of these devices changed the moment that that update installed. And it was an automatic install. You just sort of said, okay, and then your phone reboots and boom, you've got this completely different interface. It was tough for a lot of people. I think a lot of people were mad. Their device changed so much. It was also a little bit buggy at the beginning. That didn't help. And so then iOS 8 comes out. And if I'm a consumer who feels like I got bitten by iOS 7, I'm going to look at this and say, do I really want this? I mean, I, again, I saw this in my own house. My mother said to me, I don't know if I want, do I want this? What's it going to do? Is it going to do something crazy and everything's going to move around and I'm not going to know how to use my phone again? And I said, no, no, no. This is pretty much like iOS 7. Uh, it's not a radical change like it was going from six to seven. But I think people really think that I, I and and have a right to because seven was such a dramatic change from six. So I think that is part of it, too. So it's a combination. Sometimes they can't install it. And other times they're wary of installing it because 
what's it going to do? Is it going to break things? Is it going to be really different? Uh, you know, maybe I should just stick with what I've got. Then, of course, we have 8.0.1, a really bad hour yeah. for the people who downloaded and installed it on the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. Yeah, well, I mean, it, for, they pushed it out and for some reason it, it broke cellular and touch ID on uh, just the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. And it was only out for about an hour, but you're right, that was a bad hour and they pulled it back and we still don't know. That's a little mysterious about why it happened. But there's definitely an issue with Apple and, and software quality for a company that is hitting on all cylinders, I would say, in terms of hardware design. Their software processes are struggling to keep up. And this is one of those questions where, I, I mean, some of it is about uh, the new management in charge of software at Apple. And do they have a handle on this? Are they adapting? Are they changing the process of software? Or are they completely overwhelmed because of the demands being made on them by the higher ups and by Tim Cook, who seems to me to be a little bit more of a hardware guy and Johnny Ive, more of a hardware guy. They're good at getting the hardware in line. Is attention being taken to uh, the software side or are they run ragged? I think anybody you talk to who is a, a keen observer of Apple would tell you that Apple's software um, story and its software effort is kind of shaky right now. That it, There are bugs in the operating system. There are bugs in the apps. It's an issue. And I, I think we're all wondering if there are going to be changes made to the way Apple rolls out software that can address that issue. Because it's a shame when you have a really great piece of hardware and then the software is shaky. It makes the hardware look worse and so if even if i was johnny ive or tim cook and i really cared about the hardware a little more than maybe i cared about the software in the end your hardware looks bad if the apps crash and the you know the os is buggy according to one apple executive you and i both know the reason for the 8.0.1 failure was what he called the wrapper now is that the delivery system or the installer or what I don't know. I don't have any insight into that. It was a goof. I mean, it, it affected not a whole lot of people. But it, again, is that a symptom of a larger thing? Maybe it's not. Maybe it was a one-time thing. But the fact that everybody started saying, oh, geez, I think says something about where people's heads are uh, who follow Apple in terms of what uh, is going on with their software effort. If this was an aberration, everybody would just kind of shrug. But instead, everybody was like, oh, here's another example of issues that Apple has with software quality. And that's even if this was not related to those issues, uh, the fact that people noticed is because those other issues are still there. Well, just as a corollary, we have this report about this new malware threat on iOS called Mask Attack. And I think of the Edgar Allan Poe novel, Mask of the Red Death, for some reason, when I heard about this. It's mostly, it allows some kind of flaw in Apple's enterprise system for iPhones and iPads that work in business and they use custom apps and everything to allow an app to be loaded that's a bogus app. It's obviously their enterprise delivery system. And I assume Apple's going to fix that. And there's always something like we had flashback a few years ago, which was really a Java problem. This is something that, you know, if you aren't downloading pirated software or are part of some sort of large enterprise. And honestly, this isn't happening in large enterprises. This is using the enterprise system as a loophole to install uh, this malicious, uh, potentially malicious stuff on iOS devices. You uh, you basically have to, I think, I'll pop up and say, I would like, you know, so-and-so would like to install this app. And you say, no, it's a security hole, a particular, very narrow security hole. I wouldn't say there's really, you know, 
that this is a malware issue that affects everybody who uses these devices because it will, you know, you, you would, you would have to do some very peculiar things to be potentially affected by this. It's a, it's interesting. uh, And I think everybody's fortunate that this got spotted and will be closed. Um, And I believe like the first example of this, they, they, they have to use this enterprise certificate in order to ask you to install these apps and Apple revoked the enterprise certificate. So, you know, the moment that happened, that particular exploit closed. So, you know, I think it's interesting, but nothing for anybody to really be worried about. Sometimes it's more than a proof of concept, but you also always get these warnings from a security company. And I don't think they mm-hmm. sell too many security apps on Macs because there's seldom a need for it when you have problems while, like the one in China. Yeah, yeah. this is... Apple closes it. So yeah. why do you need software? This is always the question is security, security software... Uh, is always built to cover the thing that has just been discovered. They never cover the thing that hasn't been discovered because nobody knows about it. And uh, it's always a challenge. And as a as a, a longtime Mac user, I have never really used security software because it's never really felt necessary to me. I mean, I did, I guess, back in the 80s when viruses were going around on the Mac, circulated on floppy disks, but that's been a long time. And, uh, you know, this is uh, this is interesting. And security companies do um, they want to make hay with this stuff, but it doesn't mean that it isn't real. And there are a lot of security researchers out, out there looking much better that we've got security researchers finding this stuff and and uh, publicizing it and uh, therefore getting people to be a little more wary and getting uh, Apple to close the holes than if nobody wrote about it. And it was just happening without us knowing. That's the scary stuff. The scary stuff is like flashback. When that happened, Apple took like two or three months to deploy a fix in java that oracle had already fixed but getting back to the ios adoption rate issue you know what i think apple could have done here even with the current structure where you would try to install this update on your device not realizing a lot of people don't who have iphones and ipads these days they could just hook it up to their mac or pc and use iTunes for the update, and it will take care of all that extra overhead and the space problem would not be as severe. Apple could have put up a little prompt saying, we see you're trying to install this update. There's not enough room on your iPhone or your iPad. Go ahead and connect your device to Mm -hmm. iTunes and it'll take care of it for you. End of story. They didn't do it. Well, maybe they will, but I, I, I think... I think that's a good point is like I was saying, they need to think through this a little bit more if they if they and Apple knows, I I would imagine Apple knows exactly how many uh, devices have gotten a space warning and not updated. And they know if this is a big problem or not. I just have a theory. But if if they know it, then there are lots of things they could do. They could say, why don't you attach this computer or this this uh, this phone to a, a computer? I have to do the break, but let's yep, go. Sure. I, you'll see what I'm pointing to. I got to do the break. We have Jason Stell joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors. 
head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 hello it's tom chenault from the tom chenault show we are experts in home-based business and residual income we show people how to make money from their home either part-time or full-time and in partnership with Genesis Communication Network, we've organized a team to fight back about people not having money, time, or health. And we need your help. What we want you to do is if you've got an interest in building an organization to fight back against people taking our money, taking our time, and taking our health, we want to talk to you. All you need to do is call this number, 855-308-8326. Again, All you want to do is call 855-308-8326. You can make a tremendous amount of money and end up fighting for a great cause. Please call us right now. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, proflowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 Blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the fields is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers. Picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to proflowers.com. Click the blue microphone in the top right corner and enter code PLOW. That's proflowers.com. Click the mic and enter code PLOW. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
Jason Snell joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night How Live. So I was mentioning what Apple should put a prompt. I did get an email from Apple advising you, look, we got this great iOS update. And by the way, here's how to install it. If you don't have enough space, you get a warning, use iTunes. And there's also a support document now online where they tell you what the solution is. But the easier solution would have been just to send you a prompt on your iPhone or your iPad, not have to expect that you'll realize this when you look at the email that maybe you ended up in the junk mail folder anyway and you didn't see it, or go online to look for a support document. You know, again, get creative. The idea that it says, I can't update this because there's not enough space. Here are some suggestions of things you could delete, or you could delete this temporarily, or I could offload it, or connect me to a computer. And then maybe iTunes says, oh, you were sent here because you want to update. Let me do that for you now. And not instead, what it is now is like you plug in and then it's just like regular iTunes session. And iTunes maybe brings up a box that says, hey, would you like to update now? And then it downloads it. Could be friendlier if they really need to, if they feel they need to grease the skids to get this to happen. Maybe they don't. Maybe they look at the numbers and are like, yeah, it's fine. But there could be ways either on the device or attached to the the computer to make that update thing easier if if it really is a problem of that. And likewise, the the problem of people being afraid because iOS 7 was such a big change, they could do a better job of communicating what's in an update than they do now. They could do a much better job. So imagine iOS 9 comes out and a thing pops up that says, iOS 9 is here. Would you like to know more about it? And it plays a movie or it shows you some things you can swipe through saying, here's what's new. Here's what's going to happen. Would you like to update? Instead, it's like an update is available. Okay which is unfriendly. It's actually not very Apple-like. So these are ways that if Apple really does think that this is an issue, there are ways Apple can address this that are creative and interesting and smart, and they just have to do them if they if it's that important to them. There is right now a report of an 8.1.1 update coming up maybe any day now, possibly next week. They're saying they're nearing the end of the development stage. And I wonder how that announcement will be indicated. Okay, because I guess Apple could start right now if Apple wanted to be more proactive to get more people to update. They want to get that 60 percent adoption rate, which is what we're nearing right now, to 70 percent or 75 percent in the next month or two. Maybe they'll put up the notice that I'm suggesting. I know Tim Cook doesn't listen to the show. I know a few Apple people do listen and maybe they'll do that. I can't think it's very expensive or difficult to just change the labeling on your information prompt. It should be very simple, very trivial. But what do I know? Like I said, it it does come back to what Apple wants to prioritize. And, you know, we look at those numbers and say, oh, adoption is not good, not good. Apple may look at them and all of the private numbers that they get and say, yeah, it's fine. It's all going to be fine. And uh, we're not going to prioritize it. So, you know, we can come up with lots of ways that Apple could solve this problem. Apple has to has to feel it's a problem. Otherwise, it's not going to bother. And maybe it's not a problem for them. Maybe those people will upgrade eventually and it's not a big deal. I don't know. They will read the emails. They'll see the tech blogs. They'll hear this radio show. And if they need it, they'll get it. And maybe Apple will do it differently for iOS 9. We'll have to see. And remember also that as these updates progress and more and more older hardware is abandoned, the absolute percentage of people upgrading is going to go down. Even if they sell a gazillion numbers of iOS 6 and iOS 6 Plus, you're going to have tens of millions of devices that can never, ever run that upgrade, and that has to be factored into the ultimate rate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In our remaining few minutes here, would you care 
to give some expectations of some of the expected new products. And of course, we have the <laughs> Apple Watch. All right. Now, well, I expect that, that that will come out since they've announced it. I do expect it will come out next year. Okay. Do you expect any surprises <laughs> about it, or do we pretty much know everything but the price? I think there will be surprises about it because I think uh, there were not a lot of details. It reminds me very much of when the original iPhone came out, where when they showed it, it wasn't ready. It wasn't done. They were still working on everything at that event. There was a lot of sort of don't touch that or you can put this one on your wrist, but it doesn't work. And then this one you can look at and I'll show it to you and do like a scripted set of things, but don't touch it. And I touched one and they're like, oh, no, don't. you're not supposed to do that. So. You felt the zap. They used the zapper on his fingers and went. Yeah, it doesn't hurt me. It just hurts him. And I felt really bad for him. The Apple employee who didn't who didn't uh, keep the watch away from my fingertip. We're going to get a lot of details uh, about how it works and they may rethink some things. All of that's going to happen. Also, watch kit is coming out uh, this month or next month. And so we'll have a better sense of what the third party developers are doing with uh, with apps for the watch, which should be interesting, too. There's a lot going on there. I think I think uh, we think we know what the watch is, but I think there's a lot more to be learned about what the watch is, you know, in de- in detail, because Apple still like literally even now still working on it. They're still working on the hardware. They're still working on the software. We don't know what the battery life is like. There's a lot that we don't know because they don't know, or at least they didn't know when they announced it. So much more of a story to tell there. And we have to wonder, will the gold version sell? For four or five thousand dollars, will Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer have to mortgage his home because he loves expensive watches? <laughs> We're going to have to see what happens. Then, of course, we have Apple TV, and we have the same flat-inspired interface with Apple TV. We've got a few more channels on there. It's not yet at the point of channel clutter like a Roku, but it can get, get there. It's getting there. All right. So anyway. What happens? Is Apple still working on the incredible, amazing, insanely great user interface, making deals with the content carriers, making deals with the content creators? What's going on with Apple TV, do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, there's got to be a new interface at some point. If it's tied to a whole new strategy or if it's tied to new hardware, uh, you know, I, I feel like... I don't really understand why it's still the way it is that Apple's had a big opportunity to make this into a much more interesting product. I guess they've just had other fish to fry, bigger fish to fry. I don't know. Um, It's uh, the interface needs an overhaul, whether or not they uh, try to do an over the top TV service or something like that, which wouldn't surprise me if they tried to do it. Uh, the, the deal there is they can't innovate contracts. They, they have to sign contracts with the providers. And that is where I think it's bogged down. Um, so I, I would like to see a new Apple TV hardware with a better interface. I, I wrote a piece for Macworld about this about a year ago that I, you know, I, I, I love them to have an app store and have it connect using the iOS, the same sort of like basis that they do for watch kit on the watch to do an Apple TV kit where you can write apps and you can use Bluetooth controllers so that you could turn it into a, maybe a casual game box. Uh, Maybe it's got a, 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 a FaceTime camera on it. So you could do FaceTime video and uh, do Siri and uh, all sorts of other stuff like that, that you could, they could roll that technology into a product that was still an Apple TV, but it was a new uh, new kind of Apple TV. They could they could do all that, and maybe they will. It's interesting that they haven't done it yet. 
So I was sort of conceiving of something that you stick on the top of your TV. That's like the camera and stuff and an infrared sensor and all of that. And that's essentially it. And then you plug it into your TV and that's the device. Uh, And they could make that product. Maybe they've decided they don't want to or they're just too busy. I was also thinking here, maybe they can add some of the hardware from the iPhone 6 and it becomes a real gaming product. But the other one, and we have to wrap up in a moment here. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think you and I both realize is that as they get more and more channels, they're going to have to find a better way to deal with that clutter. No doubt about it. Because it can become massive and messy. Jason Snell, please tell our listeners where they could find more of the stuff that you do now that it's not Macworld.com. That's right. You can find my writing about Apple and other tech stuff at sixcolors.com. You can find my pop culture podcast at theincomparable.com. And you can find my tech podcasts on the Relay FM network at relay.fm. And you can find us on Twitter, where we're known as Tech Night Owl. We're known as Tech Night Owl on Twitter. You can also check out our web portal, technightowl.com. Once again, that's technightowl.com. And stay tuned for information about our new premium subscription service called Paracast Plus. Paracast Plus, all the details are coming real shortly now. Also check out our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week we're going to have that old curmudgeon himself, Don Ecker, who is very outspoken about his beliefs at Paracast.com. Once again, that's Paracast.com. And here on the Tech Night Owl Live, Jason Snell. Thanks for returning to the show. Thanks, Gene. It's a pleasure. Good to be back. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.